This week's episode is brought to you by the Star Tours Travel Agency, the only way to travel a long time ago and a galaxy far, far away. Hello, boys. It's your old friend Eisner, and I have a special demand for this week's show. As you will... Uh, hold on. Stop the music. Blackie. Yes, sir. How about playing something a little more my style? You got it, sir. Coming right up. Ah. Now that's better. Can feel the electricity crackling through my fingertips. As you know, I was instrumental in creating such beloved and iconic characters as Jar Jar Binks and Cantina Stand-In Number 2. And in payment, I demand that this week's show be entirely about Star Wars. And I demand that you tell all of your cadets how instrumental I was in creating Episodes 1 and 2. <laughs> uh, excuse me, sir. It's time for your manicure and pedicure. What did you call them? Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I meant your very pretty little Manny Petty Day. Very well. I'll be right there. It's the greatest my show. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And this is episode 140. And guess what? It's Star Wars themed. Aren't you excited? I am, yes. Uh, you sounded very sarcastic. Oh, was that rhetorical? There. I didn't know if I was supposed to answer it or not. I always forget. No, you can answer. Well, because I never it's know Star if you're Wars. talking to me or if you're talking to the cadets. I'm talking to everyone because we've we haven't done a Star Wars episode before. This is all Star Wars all the time. <laughs> like Al TV. Like Al TV. We should have <laughs> another special song, like that Bill Murray song that he did on Saturday Night Live. Do you remember that song? <laughs> Star Wars. Nothing, nothing but Star we, Wars. We probably should have practiced this before we started singing. Yeah, our harmony is terrible. This is yeah. why we don't do the singing, guys. But. <laughs> We have a very fun-filled, action-packed, uh, totally ignoring the prequel trilogy episode for you. So let's well, jump. Wait a minute. Is what? this the original Star Wars, or is this the Star Wars Communicore Weekly Special Edition that Lucas came back in and added effects for us? Oh, I was thinking this might be like the Christmas special with the Ewoks. Ooh, and Boba Fett. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's nice. go with that one. I like that one. Okay, yeah, we'll do that one. It's time for Disney History! Now, way back, a long time ago, in episode 139, which is the episode before this, we actually talked about the history of Star Tours, the motion simulator ride that has thrilled guests at Disney parks around the world since 1987. But, because the ride itself is so closely tied into the franchise of Star Wars itself, there's actually an official canon history of the Star Tours company itself, which I'm sure most cadets do not even know about. I mean, I actually didn't even know about it until I was researching the Star Tours history, so it was actually pretty cool. So for this Star Wars themed episode, 
what better history than that of a company that operated a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and doesn't actually exist? <laughs> Don't ruin the surprise. Oh, spoiler. Jeez. Spoiler. Okay, so contrary to what the films may have shown you, the average citizens of the Republic and the Empire do not own their own starships or make the jump to light speed on a daily basis. So how do the normal, every day-to-day citizens of the Star Wars universe travel? Well, not very different than how we do. Travelers stand in a long queue while safety announcements and advertisements blare overhead, and then they're herded into a cramped cabin where they sit shoulder to shoulder with their fellow passengers. Sound familiar? Yes, it sounds just like an airplane, <laughs> which I hate. Mostly because I, I usually get stuck next to the person I don't really... And anyway. they smell funny? And, no, well, well, they don't anyway. smell funny, but, you know, sometimes it's the luck of the draw. Anyway, so... <laughs> Though air travel is often referred to as the safest way to travel here on Earth, guests traveling, uh, or actually arriving in Star Tours terminals should expect a slightly more dangerous situation, especially when they are greeted by the sight of two famous droids who excel at getting into trouble. Now, as far as galactic records can tell, the Star Tours travel agency existed as far back as the Clone Wars, but New ownership actually relaunched the company about a year before the Battle of Yavin, uh, with the aspiration of preserving unrestricted space travel while the Empire was uh, actually busy tightening its grip on the entire galaxy. It was at this time that Star Tours opened a new terminal on Spaceport THX-1138 in the Earth system, along with other members of the Galactic Tourist Bureau, or GTB. Air Alderaan, Bespin Direct, Dantooine Express, Naboo Space Lines, and Tatooine Transit. The members of the GTB were provided with droids and security systems by Sakul Industries Group. Uh, though Star Tours claimed to be the exclusive user of the Star Speeder 1000, the other GTB members all used variations of different colors of the 40-passenger space liner designed by Sakul Aerospace. At the time of its new beginning, Star Tours traveled to more than 30 destinations. Prior to the company's inaugural flight, Star Tours gained the support of uh, Alderanian Captain Raymond Ant uh, Antilles. Now, he, as captain of the Krillian Carvet Tan Tantive, I think it's Tantive. It's Tantive. What? It's Tantive. Oh, Tantive Four. There we go. Yeah, I was. I was there. It's Tantive. Oh, you were. Okay, I'm glad yeah, you knew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Antilles actually served as Senator Bail Organa. Uh, he served underneath uh, Senator Bail Organa, and like Organa, was secretly a member of the Rebel <gasps> Alliance. And a traitor? Uh, no. No. Oh. It depends on what side you're on, actually. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. What side Take are you away. on, George? What? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, to assist in the preparations for the first flight from Spaceport THX-1138, uh, Antilles assigned droids C-3PO and R2-D2 to temporarily work for Star Tours. So, even at the beginning, signs of the mismanagement that would eventually lead to the travel agency's demise were kind of evident. On the morning of that first flight, the droids can be seen repairing a star speeder in clear view of arriving passengers, while <laughs> ramps leading through the terminal took guests past droids and all sorts of states of disrepair, including a batch of defective RX series pilot droids set to be returned to the manufacturer sitting inside open shipping crates. And despite the defective droids, Star Tours continued its plans with newer AC series pilot droids. 
So around 0700 hours on that first morning, final preparations were being made for Flight 1401, bound for Coruscant, with AC-38 as pilot and R2-D2 serving as a Starspeeder's navigator. AC-38 left the cockpit to give C-3PO some time to repair a faulty binary motivator. But the ship was elevated to the passenger loading level before the pilot returned. Guests boarded the vessel and an automated launch sequence was initiated while 3PO tried to explain to flight control that the ship had no pilot. Uh, before R2 was able to abort the takeoff, the Starspeeder was accosted by a group of Imperial stormtroopers under the orders of Darth Vader. The Imperials revealed a rebel spy was on board and attempted to seize the ship. The spy's capture was important enough to warrant the presence of multiple Star Destroyers, as well as the hiring of bounty hunter Boba Fett to track down the fugitive. Despite 3PO's uh, protests, R2 took control of the Starspeeder and fled the hangar, and the impulsive little droid fired on pursuing Imperial TIE fighters and then jumped to hyperspace along a hastily chosen route. Now, here the reports get a little bit hazy. Some passengers of the flight uh, report going to different places altogether, but the basic story remains the same. Once the jump was complete, the ship almost crashed uh, on a nearby planet as the passengers hung on for dear life. And after barely surviving a number of encounters on the planet's surface, R2 returned the ship to space. So once back in space again, the Starspeeder received a holographic message from a representative of the Rebel Alliance, where again, the re reports conflict of who it actually was. But whoever this person was, they explained that the spy on board was vital to their cause and asked that the operative be returned to the coordinates that they were going to provide. So R2 then flew the ship to the coordinates, where the space liner was attacked by many enemy vessels. And <laughs> the brave droid actually evaded the pursuers and brought the Starseeder to a safe, if not, you know, a little bit rough landing. Rebel agents at the landing site uh, extended their thanks to the ship's crew and passengers for delivering their comrade. And following the incident, the two droids were quietly returned to Captain Antilles. <laughs> so not the best way to start off a business, huh? Star Tours was known to employ a large random assortment of droids throughout its operation. The droid pool included Astromechs, Protocol Droids, F-Series and G-2 Series repair droids, mouse droids, and many others. These droids were often mismanaged, misused, and even acquired through questionable means. Two G-2 droids in particular proved troublesome for Star Tours. These droids, nicknamed Goose Droids, because they were patterned after the guy from Top Gun, I think? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, we'll go with that. Okay. They, may, the, they may be uh, pinching people's butts, too. I mean, that, <laughs> that could be the reason. That's a lot more fun, I guess. Um, anyway, uh, goose droids were known for having excessively sociable personalities hardwired into their circuitry. The quality was endearing to some small business owners, but large corporations found it unacceptable. Now, G24T served as a Star Tours droid labor pool foreman, but he was given other tasks outside his intended programming, including ticket handling, uh, travel visas, and security checks. You know, he was had a pretty sarcastic personality, and he made a lot of rude comments to a lot of the passing uh, customers, and that often got him in trouble with his supervisors. Now, there's the other goose droid, G29T, was bought secondhand in a pay-by-the-kilogram fire sale. Oh my gosh, we're having a fire sale. <laughs> I hope somebody gets that. So, I did. Though he was much stuff. friendlier to the waiting passengers than uh, G24T, his eagerness to engage them in a conversation often distracted him from his work screening the luggage. G29T was later returned to the repair work he was programmed for, but his spotty work record continued. 
So though Star Tours repair droids caused a number of petty annoyances for the travel agency, its pilot droids were a greater danger. The recklessness of one pilot droid led to disaster one year after the Rebel spy incident. Passengers on board the new Star Tours luxury yacht Tsarina were surprised when the vessel's droid captain changed course toward the Yavin system to show them something neat, in quotes. Soon after, the ship collided with what was later described as a strange-looking TIE fighter which was tumbling out of control. Uh, it was later found out that the TIE fighter was apparently lost during the Battle of the First Death Star, having strayed from battle. The jarring impact activated by the Tsarina's hyperdrive is sending the ship crashing into the surface of Dathomir and killing many passengers. Reports of the incident slowly came to light in the months that followed, passed on to spacers by an individual claiming to be the last survivor of the crash. His massive scars and burns seemed to prove his credentials in that area. That seems a little suspicious to me. He Just may have been bit. somebody else. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, other less serious accidents were caused by the pilots, but there may have been more than freak occurrences given that Star Tours' questionable use of some of these certain droids. The agency, the agency actually kept the batch of def uh, defective RX series pilot droids delivered shortly before its relaunch instead of returning them like they were supposed to. Uh, their own maintenance droids actually attempted to repair them. And much like the G2 droids, the RX pilots quickly developed personalities of their own when not subjected to memory wipes. The RX series was designed by Industrial Automation and Rubens Robotic Systems to bridge the gap between astromech and protocol droids, and they were known as reliable models that on rare occasion failed spectacularly. <laughs> you know, they could also exhibit adventurous qualities that bordered on recklessness, like the RX who stranded its owner on Naboo after taking off on her brand new starship and setting a course for the Outer Rim territories without her. Uh, one uh, inexperienced RX droid in particular would endanger his passengers on his very first flight on Star Tours. Following the decisive battle that resulted in the destruction of the second Death Star and the death of the Emperor, the remote forest moon of Endor was thrust into the spotlight. Hoping to capitalize on the moon's sudden fame, Star Tours quickly introduced a daily flight known as the Endor Express a few months after the Battle of Endor. While the newly established New Republic was fighting both the faltering Empire and the invading warlike Toph species, heroic droids C-3PO and R2-D2 found themselves temporarily working for Star Tours yet again. The duo mainly focused on maintaining the new Starspeeders 3000s, but R2 was assigned to serve as navigator on board the maiden voyage of the Endor Express, designated Star Tours Flight 45, or ST-45. The pilot of the flight was inexperienced RX series droid RX-24, or 24, nicknamed Rex. The droid was part of the defective batch purchased by Star Tours years earlier and repaired by the agency's own repair crew. Now, after a full load of passengers boarded the Starspeeder bound for Endor, Captain Rex botched the flight from the very beginning by taking a wrong turn through the maintenance bay. <laughs> and after a series of near collisions, the ships uh, safely left the spaceport and jumped to hyperspace. When the space liner finally dropped out of light speed, it actually sped past its destination and barely survived an encounter with a field of ice comets. And Rex and the passengers' moment of relief soon turned into panic when the Starspeeder was suddenly seized by the tractor beam of an Imperial Star Destroyer. The ship was rescued by the pilots of the New Republic's Red Squadron, who revealed that ST-45 had stumbled into a combat zone. The pilots attempted per to protect the civilian craft uh, from a wave of TIE fighters as they made their way to attack what appeared to be a third Death Star. 
Though the origins of the battle station remain unclear, it shared the fatal weakness of the first Death Star, an unprotected thermal exhaust port. Instead of fleeing the area immediately, RX-24 excitedly joined the X-Wing fighters in a harrowing run down the trench leading to the exhaust port. After one of the X-Wings scored a direct hit, the fighters and the Star Speeder fled into hyperspace. Rex returned the passengers to the spaceport unharmed, but not before nearly colliding with a fuel carrier and skidding to an abrupt halt just short of control room. Flight ST-45's near disaster would not be the first or last for Star Tours. Even subsequent trips to Endor were not immune, such as one flight that was attacked by Sanison Marauders on the forest moon surface. Now, several months after the Battle of Endor, accidents and mismanagement uh, finally drove Star Tours out of business. The company's assets were sold off, and it scattered its droids and starships throughout the entire galaxy. The Star Speeders continued to see use well into the era of the uh, Yuzang Vong War, and I totally said that wrong. I'm sorry, it's guys. Okay. You say Yuzang Vong. Sure, Yuzang Vong. The Goose droids, G29T and G24T, drifted between masters before eventually finding employment in the organization of a smuggler uh, and a New Republic ally. Now, there, during a, a, a crisis 15 years later, after Star Tours uh, actually closed, Luke Skywalker met with this uh, smuggler, and he brought along R2-D2, and while he was chatting, R2 actually recognized G29T, and they chatted for a little while, and they hung out, and they got to catch up on old times. But... The company went under, and that was that. So, And probably a good thing, except for us, yes, getting to yes. enjoy it and report on it. But it, it's pretty interesting that you know they created this entire history for a company that mm -hmm. does not really exist anywhere outside of the Disney theme park rides. And a big hat tip <laughs> to StarWars.com, who has all this research on it, obviously, about the Star Tours company. So thank you for that, good sirs over there who actually wrote this history up. <laughs> yes, and if you have any, you know, comments or questions or thoughts about or complaints know, about your RX pilot. Oh, that's true. Yeah, complaints about your RX pilot. Call us on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So following along with the Star Wars theme, this week's book is Star Wars From Concept to Screen to Collectible by Stephen Sansweet and Steve Essick. It was published in 1992 and has 132 pages. So Star Wars From Screen to Collectibles is one of those books that you're going to cherish and paw through for a long time. Are you saying paw yeah. through for the Wookiees out there? Yeah, that's probably the best thing. Yeah, I was okay. trying to think of another way to go through, but that's all right. So anyone like me that grew up in love with the Star Wars films, this is an amazing book to relive your childhood and look back at those toys from a galaxy long ago and far, far away and other things. Well, Steve Sansweet, who was the director of content management and head of fan relations at Lucasfilm Limited and is now chairman and president of Rancho Obi-Wan, which is a museum that he created that houses the world's largest collection of Star Wars memorabilia, also his own, you know, ended up writing the book in 92, right as, you know, the Timothy Zahn Heir to the Empire trilogy was published and sort of hit it at the right time, sort of at the beginning of the second renaissance for Star Wars. At the, the birth end, of the expanded universe, dare you say? Yeah, I guess you could say that. The birth of the EU. The not EU. The, yeah, 
Never mind. The European so, Union? Yeah, we'll do that instead of the expanded universe. Okay. It was right at the birth of the European Union. Uh, okay, so the, the book centers on the development of the film series from the perspective of the ships, the props, the toys, and the collectibles, including an awesome Wookiee mug that would be released later. So for those of us that grew up in the first Star Wars generation, it is incredible to see this history of the toys. And it's more than just a catalog of the toys. A lot of the book follows the development of Industrial Light and Magic and all the pre-production ships and the weapons and the characters that they created. Sansweet really delves into the history of Kenner and how they were the only toy company to take on Lucas's grand vision. Uh, we meet the key players from Kenner and ILM that created, designed, and marketed some of the most fantastic licensed toys ever. And yes, I did get out my thesaurus for this review. So, uh, from Star, Star Wars, from concept to screen to collectible, is an incredible book for the Star Wars fan. Sansweet chronicles the history of the collectibles and offers one of the more well-rounded books uh, looking at the collectible part of the Star Wars franchise. Besides the joyous photographs? Nah, joyful. I was wondering how you're going to fill in that blank there. Yeah, I'll do that one. I'll so. take it. Survey we'll says, so. ding. <laughs> okay, so besides these wonderful photographs of the toys and collectibles, they used photos from Kenner's catalog as well as photos from Sansweet's collection and the Lucasfilm archives themselves. Seeing images of some of these collectibles, like the Boba Fett with the firing backpack or the two production Yodas that were developed and only said six phrases but were never produced. May the swords be with you. <laughs> Those ones? Yoke. That's yogurt. Oh, I hate yogurt. Especially with plain, strawberries. Yeah, it's not plain yogurt. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Where in the world was I? Oh, Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was a production model that was never developed. So it was neat to see a lot of the toys and things that they sort of created uh, and did make it, uh, you know, past one or two production models, as well as seeing a lot of the uh, uh, licenses that Lucas said no, we're not doing this. Apparently there was a can of SpaghettiO-type lunch uh, stuff that was being produced in Canada that George Lucas said no at first. I want SpaghettiOs, no. Star Wars. Yeah. But they were they were called Alpha something or other. It was very weird. Alpha anyway, Something weird like that, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but by far... R2 SpaghettiOs, that's it. Uh, Boom. No, it was Alpha... Never mind. Mine's better. Uh, this is why I'm in marketing. It, it was. You won. We'll fine. We'll leave it at that. Okay. The uh, It really was an incredible experience for me to see the toys that I grew up playing with that my brothers eventually destroyed. Andy! But I, for I forgive Andy because he's written us some incredible songs. Fair enough. You know, fair enough for that. Uh, as well as some of the toys that I dreamed about owning, like the remote control Jawa sand crawler that I didn't get for Christmas that one year that I dreamed about. And still think about to this day um uh anyway uh this this book also has a, a a nice history to it because i bought the book at ender's vendors as opposed after, to stealing the book as opposed to stealing the book yeah there was a sales lady i didn't think i could pull anything over her eyes so uh, after writing the original star tours about six times one morning during the surprise mornings for hotel guests and it still has the 29.95 disney price tag on the back Although I think at the time we were Magic Kingdom Club members, so I think we got a 10% discount, maybe 20. Not bad, so not bad. Not, not too bad, maybe. And I did not have to, I, I had to pay with cash. 
Or no, what? we charge it to our room. No, we charge it to our room. Okay. No, I was going to say, what's cash? Still charge it to our room and have it delivered. So that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Okay. Anyways, this is a wonderful book that any Star Wars fan is going to enjoy, especially if you got to play with a lot of those early toys from the late 70s, early 80s, if you were born then. Or you may play with them later. That's true. Well, anybody, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to love this book. The title is Star Wars From Concept to Screen to Collectible by Stephen Sansweet. Sometimes it's a one. Sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you're gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break. Now you're probably saying to yourself, Self, how can they feature a bathroom break in their Star Wars episode? There are no Star Wars bathrooms at any of the Disney parks. Well, yes, that is true. However, that does not stop us from having a Star Wars themed bathroom break. Why? Because the bathroom we are talking about is your bathroom. What? I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I mean, I'm serious. But oh, it's not like we're talking just, about I your... It's like, you know, the, the flush came from inside the house. Well, I mean, it did, but oh. it's not from us. We're not actually okay. in okay. the bathroom. And if we were, we actually washed our hands, so it's okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> start laughing. What? It's, it's sanitary. You have to wash your hands when you're done it using is, the restroom. So a man named Robbie Rain has created a sticker set that you can put on the inside of your toilet bowl to make it look like a real-life Sarlacc pit. Uh, it's the one that was featured in Return of the Jedi. The sticker set comes complete with a bunch of stickers, including teeth and tentacles, to make your porcelain throne look like the Sarlacc, along with Jabba's sail barge, the twin sons of Tatooine, and of course, all the players from the famous pivotal scene. Han, Lando, and Boba Fett, with a tentacle wrapped around his leg, dragging him to his doom. I don't know about you guys, but I think this is absolutely brilliant. This is great for those of us who just don't want to flush our waste into a septic system, but would rather see it find a new definition of pain and suffering, and it is slowly digested over a thousand years. Just like the Sarlacc Pit. So, if you want to get your own uh, Sarlacc Pit toilet set, visit toiletsarlac.com because that is the greatest www address I've ever heard in my life. Again, toiletsarlac.com and then you can have your own Star Wars themed bathroom break. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. While you're waiting in the queue line for Star Tours at Disneyland, G290, the luggage droid, gets harassed at some point by a supervisor. He eventually cuts the conversation short and says, Boring conversation anyway. This, of course, is a reference to the line that Han Solo says in A New Hope while on the Death Star intercom while trying to break out Princess Leia out of the detention center. Now, there are some other lines famous from the original version of Star Tours that were brought back for The Adventures Continue. For example, in the original version of the ride, Rex claims, I've always wanted to do this, we're going in, when he's about to make a run on the Death Star. In the new uh, version of the ride, C-3PO says something similar in Tatooine, where he goes, Oh, a pod race, I've always wanted to do this. Also in the original movie, Rex screams, Brakes, brakes, where are the brakes? Near the beginning of that film. And in the new one, C-3PO says the exact same phrase at the end of the Naboo sequence. Oh, I love it when the Imagineers get clever. So nice. And they bring it back around. They bring it around, yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of bringing it around, we know this was a very long episode. <laughs> but that's because it was Star Wars, nothing, nothing but, but Star Wars. Wars. 
It was the timing that was off this time. Uh, it was. Yeah, I can it fix them in post. I'm not okay, going good, to, guys. Good. I'm not. Sure. I'm not going to retrofit it like George Lucas did. It is what it is at this point. <laughs> I thought you said you're going to bring Jabba the Hutt in as a guest star on this Ooh, one. Oh, George Terra. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> that's, <you> know, just, <laughs> that's all I ever understood him saying. So. Ooh, Didi. <laughs> I'm just going to say random Star Wars just phrases. Random Star Wars phrases. Okay, before this gets any worse, thank you guys before so much. Before I break much. out the Wookiee impression. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you guys for watching and listening to another episode. Yes, <laughs> please leave us a comment. Give us a rating on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you what you think. Mm-hmm. You can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. And of course, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. Oh, that's not like you were going to say Facebook.com slash Communicore Weekly, the greatest online it show. Did it, so, it did sound oh. like I was going to end the show there. <laughs> I was like, what? That's okay. usually how my voice goes when I end the show, but we're not ending it yet. <laughs> that's in the and, future. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imagine Learning, and he's at Jeff Hotbuck. And of course, call us on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. Leave us a message. We actually got a bunch of really cool messages the last couple of days, so continue calling in, guys. Yeah, we like that. And you can pick up your copy of the musical. Get it on Amazon, CD Baby, or iTunes. Google Play. You forgot about Google Play. Oh, yeah. Spotify and Google Play. Let's do it on all of those spots. Heck, yes. Uh, yeah, it is. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening to our Star Wars <laughs> episode, guys. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest intergalactic online show.